I'm Audrey Bellis. And I'm Yvette Montoya. And you're listening to Brown Girls Rising, a worthy women podcast in partnership with Nylon and Español. We tell stories about femme leaders and activists of color, making our world a better place. Let's get started. today with Raquel Cordova, aka Roxy. Uh, Raquel is a radio and per- television personality, best known as Roxy on air. Born in Riverside, she began her radio career in 2000 in Palm Springs. Roxy then had stints at the Mexican station La Ley 107.9 in Chicago. You probably all know her from Latino 96.3 FM and Mega 96 FM here in LA. In 2011, she ventured into television as one of the stars on the Muntu reality show, Jenny Rivera Presents Chiquis and Roxy. Ooh, rest in peace, Jenny. Currently, Roxy is writing her first book and working on her foundation, Amigas for My Soul, which we'll chat about, a nonprofit established to promote unity and empowerment among women. Roxy, welcome. Welcome. Thank you, ladies. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes when you hear your bio being read, you're like, gosh, I've done all that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and I'm still young. And, and I feel sometimes like I haven't even scratched the surface of where I envision myself to be, you know? Yeah, you yeah. know exactly that. Yeah, I know. Audrey, you're a ball of energy, girl. <laughs> totally. I'm so, it's so I'm so happy to be here and share this space with you guys. And I love I just love the cause and, and what you guys are about and Brown Girl Rising. What a powerful name. It is, right? You know, we, we looked at Brown Girls and um, do you like hip hop? I love hip hop. All right. You know, too short. Getting of it. Of course. Right? I'm one in a million. Black men rising. Try to keep me down, but I always surprise them. I heard that song over Christmas and I, I was cooking and I was, I don't know, maybe sleep deprived and chunky and eating carbs. And I texted Yvette and I go, what do you think of when you hear brown brown girls rising? She was like, me. Yeah. She's a brown girl rising. And I was like, you're right. And, and, you know, I heard that song again. And I was like, I'm a brown girl rising. That's right. I do feel like I'm always fighting the hustle is not the right way because I don't feel like my life is just an upward battle. But, um, you know, feeling like I'm overcoming things and I'm proving myself. And so I said, you know what, let's secure the domains and let's just let's just see what we can do with it. And we sat on it for a few weeks before we decided we were going to do this podcast. And what's interesting is when we tell people that we have a podcast called Brown Girls Rising, almost every single time people stop and they raise their hand and they go, I'm a brown girl. I'm rising, which has been an incredible uh, experience to see such unity and how people actually respond with that and yourself I mean right self-identified brown girl doing things Latina and in a space where I mean you're doing radio you're in media where Latinas are stereotyped yeah you know I love I love what you said about always feeling like your your life may be an uphill battle not because it is but yeah, that's been my experience ever since I, I guess my, growing up, growing up, well, I'm originally from Riverside. I grew up in Riverside and I, I came from parents that were, they were tight. They were tight. At least that was my example that I saw. And they gave me a really solid faith foundation. Mm. And so I was the, I was the young baby of the family that would tag along to church and choir practice and youth conference and the youth conferences. And I always wanted to be up in the mix. And I had the parents that would tell me, especially my mom, anything you put your mind to do, Raquelita, you could do it. And and she would just look me in the eye and give me that eye contact where I believed what my mom would tell me, you know. And that's why I think parents, it's I get emotional talking about it because I see parents sometimes with their children that all they do is like talk down, talk down what they can't do. They limit them. And I'm just like, I never got that. I'm yeah. so blessed that I never got that. I mean, you know, I got in trouble because I've always been mischievous and I've always been a rebel with a cause. But <laughs> don't point it, at are me. you guys rebels? Because <laughs> we are rebels, but I'm like the goody goody because I'm always scared to like, you know, I, I mean, I push limits, but Yvette's definitely I'm the our in-house that, rebel. I'm the one that um, almost got expelled like three times. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I just I, I'm a rebel with the cause. I, I totally am. And um. I know why I do things. I know why I go against the grain. I, I know if it feels uncomfortable, I'm growing. Like I, I know all that, but growing up it's, and you know, growing and maturing into the woman that I've become. And when I got into radio and started interning at 18, I kind of got a clear direction on where I wanted to go. And I just always felt 
And I always knew that my bosses, the majority of them, I want to say throughout my career, 90% of my bosses have been men. And, you know, the women were the secretaries or the uh, assistant VP, stuff like that. And I'm like, why? Why does it have to be that way? I wouldn't necessarily verbalize those questions, but in my head, I was always pondering, why is that? And why is it that women are afraid to ask for a salary over $100,000? Yeah. You know what I mean? And the worst they could tell me is no, but at least I'm going to go for it and I'm going to try and I'm going to negotiate higher prices and I always noticed that that difference between myself and other women. And it's scary. It's asking scary. is scary. I'm barely getting over my fear of asking. Like barely, barely. I remember Audrey, when we first started doing events together with worthy women, she was like, okay, well, you know, just email them and ask. Ask if they want to be in the on a panel. Ask if they want to give us money. Ask if they want to give us product. And I was like, what? And now I that's can a master. I mastered that sh- stuff (laughs) (laughs) no I mean it really is it's hard and you know I feel like a lot of that comes from generations it's very cultural it comes from generations it's not ladylike to ask for things that are not yours and it's not ladylike to talk about money and it's not ladylike to be ambitious Mm. it's threatening it's too much it's too much and you know I, I feel like it's a blessing when we have people in our world women in our world like to me that warrior woman for me till this day that I think about is my great grandmother, Mama Mati. She passed away in her like mid 80s. She lived a good life. You know, 80 something years old is a pretty long life. And this woman, I remember I took her to get her fingerprints because she was turning into an American citizen mm-hmm. and she fought it and she fought it. But she knew it was like the thing to do. And she never wanted to learn English. And but she was just amazing. She was the most epic woman I've ever known. And when I took her to the immigration agent, he couldn't find fingerprints on her fingers. And he was just moving the ink and moving her finger around. He's like, you know, tell your great grandmother I we're not getting fingerprints from her. And she just went off in Spanish. She's like, you need to tell this man that growing up in El Salvador, I used to carry sacks of onion and I used to wear six inch stilettos and I used to go off and on buses. And I she would get it. And and so when I heard her tell me that story in my head, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's where a lot of the women in my family get it from. Like we are on a mission. And it's crazy too, because for some reason, Latina women have this subservient stereotype. Okay. But let's talk about why that is right. Because this is what you're told growing up. I do esposo tiene hambre. Your boyfriend. Sirvelo. Yeah. Are you taking care of him? Are his clothes pressed? It's always this nurture role where you have to do absolutely everything. And we cater to men in a way that's not like you go do it yourself. No, yeah. somebody's going to do it for you. But that's not seen as like feminine strength. The fact that women are the ones who uphold the entire family. They uphold the men. They uphold the kids. They oh, uphold our women are society. Strong. We are the strongest of the strong, and yet we're like, oh, you know, women are so weak, or Latinas are so subservient. They need to like follow whatever the man says. And in real life, it's not like that. We're strong. Yeah, I think. I mean, that's definitely cultural for sure. And, for sure. and I think I love. Actually, I don't even think I know when I see the new millennial women. We are changing that little by little because, you know, the word feminism to me, I, I've never really, you know kind of been like I'm a feminist like Same. even though I've always been a feminist I feel and and a couple of people have referred to me as a feminist you know on on the radio they write to me yep. nasty emails and I laugh I laugh because I'm like I am awakening your wife that's why you yep. don't like me I'm awakening <laughs> your girlfriend I'm awakening and it's yep. usually men that have written to me that you know I, I don't know why my wife follows you and she admires you so much and and I sit there and I say, you know, it's their issue, not mine. Right. But um, I think I see more millennial women getting their power back. And and because I think when people think of the word feminism, I've been told you're a man hater, Roxy. And I say, oh, hold mm. on. Let me stop you right there. I'm not a man hater. And I, I think men. when a lot of women, <laughs> when a lot of men think of a feminist, they think you're a man hater. Yes. But that's like a really interesting thing too is that why is a movement meant to empower women suddenly about men like it's so like a man to make a movement not about him about him 
Like this ain't this ain't <laughs> yeah. about this ain't about you. It's about us. Like, what does this have to do with you? Just because we don't want to like serve you, all of a sudden we hate you. You know what? That's a great that's a great point. And I, I we live in a society where a lot of times we think everything is about us. You know, that's why a lot yep. of people take things personal, because people think everything is about them all the time. But you're right. That's a that's a very powerful point. But um, I I'm far from a man hater. And I actually tell these men and I take the time to listen to what they have to say and say, you know what? Think what you want to think. It doesn't matter. I know what my intention is. And I know that I just want women to step into their power and own their greatness and stop looking for validation from anything. And in turn, this is what's going to make your wife be a better wife with you and be patient and understand you more and allow you to learn how to be independent. You know, you don't, a woman doesn't always have, like you said, doesn't have to serve you, but if she wants to serve you, there's nothing wrong with that either. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Feminism is accepting other people's versions of it like if you don't want to be in the house don't be in the house if you want to be in the house you should have that choice but the point of it is the choice yeah and you certainly take a choice right when you as a radio personality um when i think of you i think a little bit in your face in a good way you are unapologetic and that is something that we love under worthy women for brown girls rising as entrepreneurs you have to show up unapologetic because if you're apologizing you don't believe that you're really worthy of it right you're making you're making space for yourself and when I think of Latinas in media which is so sad you know what I think of I think of girls with the big fake boobs wearing very short skirts dancing in inappropriate heels I think Don Francisco I think no shade Sofia Vergara yeah no we love Sofia Vergara but yeah we're we're picture we're picturing voluptuous women um that are kind of dumb and ditzy that are they're just portrayed there. as dumb and yes, ditzy. they're just there to point at things and to kind of be in the background oh absolutely and one of the interesting things and i stopped watching don francisco for this um uh lily estefan from el gordo y la flaca you know she was uh she was a model in don francisco and they fired her because she wouldn't get a boob job i didn't know that yeah she was let go because she refused to get a boob job. And so when I think of Latinas in media, I'm always thinking of um, that type of situation where they want you to fit in a box. And you are not a person who fits in a box. You show up unapologetic, which is why you're so inspiring. Um, and how has that played across in your own career? You know what? It's been it's been fun. It's been <clears throat> excuse me. It's been challenging at some points. Yeah. I'm not going to say hard because I I dislike that word so much, but it's been challenging to learn how to use my femininity in a smart way that is going to allow me to walk into a room and have people see me in a respectful manner for my talent and not for my body or my pretty face, yep. right? Because I, I do, I think, listen, from a young age, I've known my purpose. And I, I woke up to my purpose at a young age when I would be in front of a youth group leading the group and I noticed that people were responsive to me. And I was like, I have something. But it was because my mom at a young age told me that I was special. You were helping people get woke. I thought <laughs> that was a I thing. Was, Audrey. And, yeah. and it was, I, I think that makes the difference of a lot of women that are willing to go down that easy route of like just being an object. You yes. eventually will be looked at as an object if that's the way you portray yourself to look you know Mm -hmm. like you can be sexy you can be fully covered and you can be super attractive to the man's eye and I think as I get older I'm in my early 30s I'm starting to realize that real men real men are attracted to a woman that it's beyond your looks you're about substance it's about a woman that they can have a conversation with it's about, let's talk about careers. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about investments. Let's talk about science. Let's talk about goofy stuff. Yeah. It's, it's, and I love that. That's why, you know, there's women that are not about getting older and they, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm getting older. And I'm like, the older you get, the more you know, and the more everything expands. At least I hope that's, that's my wish for every person walking this planet is that you expand and you evolve every year of oh, your life. When I turn 30, I'm about to be 31. When I turned 30 last year, people were like, oh, you know, your dirty 30s. And I was like, no, I'm having my worthy 30s. This is my Ooh, worthy year because 30, I want to 
wanted a decade that was going to be more stable than my 20s. I wanted a decade that was about me coming into my own. And truly this year of being 30 has been exactly that. Yvette turned 30 this year. We push ourselves to the limit and we made ourselves uncomfortable every step along the way. I'm still doing it. And slaying it. Yesterday we filmed for the first time with Carlos Gill and I was terrified. It was Yvette's first time on camera. I was terrified. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was like trying to smile in a way and I didn't know how to do it and it was scary but like that's for me being 30 is now pushing yourself to that next limit because you already know what you're like yeah yeah like I'm your 20s you know at the end of your 20s you already know what you're like at 30 you get to start again and get another decade of that yeah and and you know 30 to me is is there's nothing like growing into your own skin and just really feeling like you know what I know what I want now. I'm more defined yeah. on what I want. And, and you know, some women don't know what they want at 30. But you know what you don't want. But you know what you don't want. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And and I love that you mentioned about, about always constantly being pushed out of your comfort zone. I feel like that's been the story of my life, to be really honest with you. And I didn't realize it. I just always felt like, okay, here's something I got to embark on. And here I go. And this and that. And figure, here's an opportunity. You just figure it out. Yeah. To do radio in Chicago. And I'm like, okay, I, oh my gosh, this is out of my comfort zone. But here I go. And I just feel like my life has been, a, it's just been a huge accumulation of situations where I'm pushed and I'm like, okay, God, what are you trying to do with me? And, but here I go anyways, you know, because I've always believed that I'm blessed and guided and it always turns out better. I always end up being closer to my goals, but let me tell you something. It's, you know, sometimes I just want to scream. I'm just like, oh my gosh, am I going to be able to handle what I'm going through right now? But I do, you know, and I and I think that's why I get a, such good feedback from my audience on social media, because a lot of times all, you know, and I don't know if you, these are characteristics, I guess, of leaders and people that are self-motivated. A lot of times you may need to hear something at that moment. Yes. But you don't always have a mentor around you or you don't always have a big yeah. sister. You don't always have your Yvette by your side where you're like, oh, it's just me in my car right now. And God, like. I need to hear some words. And so I literally will get my phone and talk into my Snapchat, literally hearing what I have to hear for myself because I just need to hear it out loud or say it out loud. And then in turn, I'll get people that tell me, oh my gosh, like, I love your Snapchat because you help me. And I'm like, little do you know that I needed to hear those words. And I was probably, I probably stopped the car or or got emotional after that and cried. But I feel like a lot of women who are strong don't allow themselves that that feelings part right because the vulnerability me, the vulnerability to me i strive to be a balanced woman it's not just about work 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 24 7 it used to be like that for me but i would get migraines i was I, I would get sick i would get physically sick to the point where my mom was like yeah your body's asking you to rest well and i think we wear exhaustion like a badge of pride which is sad yeah, no. Like, I'm so busy. Cute. I'm so busy. I'm so. I'm busy. guilty of that. Yeah, it's and not recently. cute. You start looking older. You forget to put your eye creams. You just forget. Oh, Botox your... is my best friend. Oh, I love Botox. <laughs> Fillers. There's no. We do not hate against that. Do you? Know, I'm just saying. <laughs> do what you got to do. But the most important thing is is rest. You know, and yes. yeah. And there's a woman from the Huffington Post. The woman that created the Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington. She wrote a book about sleep. sleep yeah, about the importance of sleep. And I'm like, listen, ladies. She's a successful woman. Read that book. She has a lot of. It's crazy that we need someone to write a book about sleeping in order to tell us to sleep. (laughs) Basic human needs. Like, hey, sleep. Serious. Those reminders are crucial sometimes when life is in session, because sometimes let's just be real. Life is exciting and there's a lot of stuff going on. But without sleep, I mean. I know. I FOMO so hard, though. Yeah. I always want to be in the mix. I know. So you're totally right about the sleep, you guys. And Roxy, I think when I look at you, I'm, I see a person who prioritizes work-life balance. But those are things, again, that we have to learn. Those are things that we find the hard way. Has your career always been a place where you've found balance? Uh, you know, my career recently has gone through the, the last two years, the last three years, you know, because I think a lot of times transitions start in your mind. And then once you start thinking about it, eventually it's going to manifest because you're already thinking about it. Yeah, you're already thinking about it. So that means there's some type of uh, uneasiness or some type of I want more. 
this is not 100% me anymore. And so, yeah, so I was on traditional radio, I want to say, you know, maybe for 10 years, like on and off here in LA, starting in 2005. And, you know, love radio. I am a natural born communicator. I love to entertain, you know, and I love to empower. I love to be me unapologetically and just authentically, right? And I think that's why sometimes I've challenged, I've been challenged with acting roles because acting is a whole nother beast, right? Hosting you don't get and, to be you. I mean, you always put yourself into the character, but it's, I love being me. You know, I'm really one of those people that I'm comfortable in, with who I am. I love it. And I always say, if, if God didn't bless me with that perfect body, with cellulite-free legs and all that, he blessed me and he, he overcompensated me with my personality because I really, I love waking up and being who I am. And so, you know, they got, they got to a point maybe like about two years ago where I kind of felt like career-wise I was being put in a box, right, on what people wanted me to be how they wanted me to express myself. And it got irritating to me. You know, again, I'm a rebel with the cause. And it's kind of like my experience when I was doing radio in Chicago. I was working for a Mexican regional radio station and I was 100% out of my comfort zone. Why? Because I love English music. I was born in the United States. I'm American Latina, right? I come from, my mom was born here. My dad was born in El Salvador. So I'm very much Americanized. Yeah. And so when I went to do Mexican regional radio out there, I was like, what am I doing? I've ne- I- I'm Central American. I didn't even grow up listening to Vanda. I was just going to ask. I'm like, are you even Mexican? Uh, no, I'm Central American. So <laughs> yeah. I... I, I was raised listening to Salsa, Celia Cruz, Grupo Nietzsche, a lot of tropical Caribbean stuff. So when I got shifted to do radio, in which I accepted, I was not forced to do it. I accepted the opportunity because I thought, wow, New York is the number one for entertainment, then L.A., then Chicago. So if I go to Chicago, then the only next thing for anything, the thing to happen after that is either I'm either going to New York, I'm going to L.A. You're going And out. I knew that. So I was yeah. like, I have to take this step, even though I don't know what the hell I'm doing or why I'm doing it. Or at that point, I couldn't even finish a Spanish sentence. So that's kind of like when the whole idea of Spanglish came to be in my career. My boss at that time, which I I love that man for believing in me more than I believed in myself at that time. He was like, yeah, I know you don't know Spanish that well. So you're going to go, you're going to do Mexican regional radio. And when you get stuck, you're going to talk in English. I and love I'm, it. Like Selena, when she's like, estoy muy excited. excited. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. And that's when the whole concept of Spanglishness came to be. And I've always gotten really criticized for that, though, because the Latin community will tell you, hablas español, and it's only Spanish, because you sound like an idiot talking both. And then the English community is like, we don't understand it when you talk Spanish. And it's always been this kind of a misunderstanding when I would, when clients were up in the mix and stuff and they were like, we, we don't get this Spanish, whole Spanglish world. And I, I got it because I grew up like that. That's we how people live talk. Like yeah. yeah. My mom was like that though. My mom would not let us Spanglish. We did not Spanglish in our family. Oh, it was Spanish did. or it was English. And that was it. Because my mom said, es mala educación. I, I always hear that till this day. And I don't, I just feel like that is their interpretation of it because growing up, I talked Spanish to my dad, English to my mom. It's still that way. And so when we would speak Spanglish, my parents never told us it was wrong because they just knew that that's the way we communicated with brothers and sisters. And it's it was very natural to me. It was not disrespectful. So anyways, fast forward. Um, two years ago, I just felt like I was in a box. I was having fun. I was on the radio every morning. I did every shift, nights, afternoon, mornings. And Every shift requires something different from you, right? I mean, I was waking up at three in the morning every day, and I am not a morning person, so I don't know how I did it. Girl, same. I was I'm the only morning person I know. I'm an, Are you a I'm morning an, person? I get up before I am every day. I'm an person for sure. I mean, listen, if I have to get up at three in the morning every day, I will, right? But do I prefer to sleep in a little bit? Yeah. and But see, <laughs> I'll stay up all night. I'll stay up till three, four in the morning. Oh, no. I turn into a pumpkin at 8.30. Really? I get up at 4 a.m. Yeah. I'm a morning person. My best thinking happens in the morning. I just can't do nights. But I digress. Continue. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. So you rest. You get your you get your solid hours of sleep. For oh, sure. Yvette knows. I'm crazy pants if I haven't had sleep. <laughs> for all of you listening, if you could see Yvette's face right now, 
In fact, you should probably tune in and follow her on Snapchat because that's where you really get to see her faces. Or Instagram stories. Instagram stories. <laughs> that's the new thing. I'm transitioning out of Snapchat into Instagram stories because I think it's really fun. But you're talking about like Latino 96, right? Yes, I'm talking about, you know, that I love you in the morning. Thank you. You know, my I would wake people up with my energy because you would, you, though. And I don't know how I would do it that early in the morning. But I do know how because I love the mic. I loved knowing that I was going to entertain. I love knowing that I was going to be able to educate people on certain things or give you the entertainment. You guys always news. had really good conversations about things like you and Nachin had really good rapport. And I remember I always really liked your sign off. <laughs> my sign off? What yeah. Was my your sign off oh was um, be yourself because everyone else is taken. Oh, yes. Yes. That was my, <laughs> you know, and I would always incorporate like my inspiration because, you know, sometimes you got to toot your own horn and, and wake your own self up. And I figured I would get a lot of good feedback like that on the streets. Like we love your words of wisdom or we love when you talk about your own personal experiences. It was funny. Yeah, it was fun. Now, she was the funny element of that. So. A lot of people were very much like, what happened? What what happened? So that one was my day. second run with that with that company. And um, I just what happened one day is I felt I was. Uh, I don't know, just certain things were happening with management where I was getting called in and and being told, you know, like your my English and Spanish balance wasn't wasn't it. I needed to talk more English. And I just felt like I got to a point with that company where I couldn't be me. I couldn't be 100% the talent that I wanted to be. And I think that when you're a creative person, you can't be put in a box. You know, there's a song by Ryan Leslie that he starts off the song, but the song by saying they try to put me in a box. It's impossible. And it's, it's literally like my motto because when I feel like I'm being put in a box, I got to break free. You like it? I feel this esperada. I feel like what, what, what's puts going Roxy on? in a corner. Yeah. yeah. And I started feeling that. And I kind of started resenting being on the air every morning and it was just things that were going on behind the scenes. And I just chose to walk away, to walk away because I think a lot of people, when they thought of Roxy, they thought of Roxy the radio girl, Roxy the radio girl. Does Roxy do anything else, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm a motivational speaker. I love to write. I'm the founder of my nonprofit that I've had for six years. I love to cook. I love to travel. I love to be adventurous. And I think... I wanted to recreate people's image of me. You and you're driving your community. Like that's what you were doing basically on the radio is like yeah. you were creating that community because I'd never heard Spanglish on the radio before. And when I did hear it, I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. Um, but how do you think that you're driving your community and driving, you know, your feminist voice? Well, you know what? I feel like I, I do that by living my life in the most true way possible. Yes. And I and I always tell people that follow me, people that admire me. I always tell, I always get weirded out when people call me their idol. I'm like, oh, whoa, yeah, that's, that's like nice. a huge responsibility though. And, and because my number one thing is when you are a leader, when eyes are on you, when people consider you a mentor, I feel like people expect perfection from you sometime. And they listen, pedestal. they put you on a pedestal and they see you as, I'll give you an example. Worthy women, right? It's about your self-worth. And I have this line that goes, you can't raise your net worth until you raise your self-worth. And we use that a lot. We talk about, are you coming from a place of worthiness? People come to our events and they go, well, Audrey, you just must be so worthy now. You've got it all figured out because you can tell me all about worthiness and now I feel so worthy. So you must have all the answers. And I actually met um, a woman following our conference in November, which I want to get back to in a second. But she said the same thing. She's like, I'd love for you to mentor me. And we sat down and I was having like a particularly bad day. And I was like, this is something I'm going through right now. And she looked at me and she was like, I liked you so much better when I thought you had no problems. Oh. She was like, I needed to look up to you. And I did. And, and you were like the thing that was like giving me this, this drive to work towards. She was like, I don't like you as much now that you're more human. And she I told was, you that to your face? Oh, yeah. And but then that, she asked me so to be her mentor. <laughs> She, she took it back. She's like, I take that back. She's like, she's like, I really need somebody that I can like, you know, somebody infallible. Yeah, it's it's an actual term. It's called pedestaling. It's a psychological term. It's when you put somebody up on a pedestal and they can do no wrong. And people typically do that in relationships, right? And then they become obsessed with that vision. And then when that person falls from that pedestal, they're like, 
oh, you're not who I thought you were. No, you never saw me to begin with. You saw an image of yeah. what you needed for your own coping mechanism. Sounds like every crappy relationship I've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, Let's be real. <laughs> but, but, but. Let's start attracting good relationships yeah. now. They don't have to be crappy. I'll be like, get me off that pedestal. I'm going to get you off that pedestal. And let's just like walk on the floor like normal people. Speaking of pedestaling and crappy relationships, Amber Rose. Amber Rose was on the last day of our conference in November. We had an event with her. On the third day, it was a brunch and learn uh, for women who live unapologetically out loud. It was called a no Fs given approach to dominating your digital space. And she said a line that I will never forget. She was like, stop selling dreams, start selling reality. And that's why people have relationships that don't work because you're selling a fantasy. You're telling, yeah. giving me something that doesn't exist. That's what she said about Wiz. Oh. And we were like, oh. She but got real with us. She got very real with us. And she was an incredible guest. But you're working with Amber Rose as well. Yeah. You know what? I'm so I'm I love working with her. She is uh, she is unapologetic for sure. That's why we she, love her. You know, when we had her on the podcast and, you know, she's like, when you guys can ask me anything about anyone, feel free. And I, I love that. About her. Yeah. And our podcast that we have with her, it's called Risque with Roxy and Ruby. Ruby is my co-host. And we talk about, we go there, right? We are very risque about what we talk about. We we kind of peel back the layers of, of what people may think but won't verbalize, right? We talk about relationships. We talk about um, sex. We talk about politics. We talk about amazing women. We get a lot of amazing guests, men and women, right? And we love when we have the men in there because we get to really dissect and dive into their mind, you know? <laughs> yeah. But... So, yeah, we had this idea, and it's the first bilingual podcast that CBS endorses. And Amber Rose is a feminist for sure. And yep. she was like, I just want you ladies to be your badass selves. Like, I don't want you to hold back from what you have to say. I want you guys to entertain. And she she's not like a micromanager, which is awesome. She really lets me and Ruby be. And it's been such an amazing platform for the Latino bilingual community and for, I mean, I love podcasts because anybody can listen anywhere in the world. Yes. Anywhere. Yeah. As long as you have an iPhone, an Android, and the app, a computer. And that's the, that, I love that about Androids. And I used to dislike that a lot about traditional radio. Yeah. It's like, if you want to listen to me, you have to listen to me in the morning, you know, through the app. And then when I'm off the air, it's like I'm off the air. And podcasts, they live where they live forever. And it's yes, your true. audience gets to know you and they get to really see like, oh, guess what? And they get to know you on their own terms, right? So they're yeah. connecting with you in a much more natural way where they're choosing to invite you versus like you're the only thing on the radio for this time that I'm sitting in traffic. Yep. If somebody subscribes to your podcast is because they truly enjoy what you have to say and how you say it. And I, I love that. So I'm really thankful for the platform that we have with Amber Rose. Um, she's She's been so supportive. She's been so open with me and Ruby. We're part of the Mother Rose team. Uh, we were just at her son's birthday party the other day. And actually, Wiz was there. And there's so much love between those two. You they co-parent well. Very well. And I think they're always going to be each other's love of their life. You know, and it's it's to me, that is so mature. Because I come from divorced parents, and after they got divorced, they never spoke to each other. And that really affects a child sometimes if you choose to, right? Like I have finally, I want to say I finally released my parents' divorce four years ago where it's like I couldn't talk about it before without crying. And I was like, oh, my gosh, it's that baby inside of me that just wishes and has that fantasy because that's really what it was. At that point, my dad's like, I'm remarried. Your mom's remarried. Get over it. Like We're never going to be together. <laughs> But, but still, it's like this little girl in me that just, I, to me, they never fought in front of me. So when they divorced, I was like, what happened? Yeah. You know, I was 15 and it was mm -hmm. like, it was my sophomore year in high school. I needed both of their support. And all of a sudden, my foundation got completely rocked. Um, but, you know, everything happens for a reason. And um, But yeah, our podcast girl, you guys got to come on one day and we got to talk about feminism. And yeah, we, we go there. Well, you know what I love about it? Even though it's risque. I don't think it's necessarily risque. I think what it is is other people have their own self-imposed shame about what they think is appropriate or not appropriate, which is why it's so taboo. And when we talk about feminism and Latinidad, you're either too feminist. You're always too much or not enough for somebody, right? Yeah. It's always one 
or always the other. And I think you truly are changing that conversation and you're particularly changing it in an area where we need it the most for young women, impressionable women. And you're doing it with your nonprofit. Yes, my nonprofit, Amigas from My Soul. You know, I'm very honest about why I started Amigas from My Soul because back when I started it six years ago, I was, you know, fully enmeshed and my, my, I grew up, you know, in the entertainment world and it, it was my experiences with a lot of men, right? And so I kind of became that an emotional woman when it came to business and when it, that was my coping mechanism when I would have conversations about business, about projects with the male bosses that I had. Um, my coping mechanism was to become tough and build a wall because I wanted to be respected for my talent and not because I have big boobs. You know, no, that is the story and, of my life. Yeah. And so I was always life, I was always <laughs> protecting my space. And that was like the way I would cope with dealing with men that sometimes, you know, would bring me into a meeting for creative ideas. And while this meeting was happening or towards the end, it's like they never allowed me to speak. And I'm like, why would you do that? Yeah. And and yeah, oh, just I and I can recall a lot of situations like that. How is it being kind of? a feminist in this like macho culture also in this like kind of have hyper masculine space that is entertainment it's it's and a latino men latino men latino specifically men. yeah it's a sucky feeling because a lot of times my biggest thing was i always felt unheard i always felt invited to things because you're roxy you're a talent you matter and then i would leave the meeting like i don't matter why did they lie to me why why did they not hear this? And I would literally, if I knew I had a meeting the next day, I would prepare and I would, you know, write out my ideas and I was ready to present. And I was, you know, because like Cheryl Sandberg says, the CEO of Facebook, when she went in and she negotiated her salary with Mark Zuckerberg, she was just not like, I want X amount of dollars because I am me. She was like, I made him see my value. I told him, this is why you got to pay me this, mm -hmm. yeah. you know? And he was like, got it. And he saw the value. So, as a woman, I'm not even going to say Latina women, just women in general. Yep. I'm sure that we've all in the in the workplace have experienced that was my thing. I always felt like I needed to be set up and I would. And there was moments that it, that Roxy wouldn't even be heard. And, and I would be lied to about why was I even in this meeting? And, yeah. and so when people don't take you serious in the workspace, your your mentality starts to change. Like, OK, I am building this empire for this company, making them millions of dollars. And what about me? You know, yeah. and from one, and yeah, it was, it just became very, you know, when certain things happen over and over and over again, you start seeing like, oh, the this, is, this is the pattern. This is the way they operate. Am I really going to grow here? Let me be realistic with myself. Yeah. Is it ever going to change? Is well, it ever going to change? I think even more than just recognizing a pattern and creating something new from it what you're doing is recognize your own self-worth and you're stopping yourself from allowing that to be okay yeah and right? it is scary yes Audrey. it is it is something so scary to do to walk away from something that you know at first when 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 i was with this company for eight years and then they let me go to they brought in this talent from miami because they that was their, their oh move. miami that's what is, they thought they that's had where to you do, bring right? in all latino media talent yeah. And, uh, you know, this talent was very disconnected from the L.A. audience. Anyways, make, make a long story short, that was their move. And I remember feeling completely. I was angry. I was confused. I was I felt 100 percent like I had no worth and because betrayed betrayed. But but I felt because my whole, you know, I had been tied to this company for so long that when I wasn't with them anymore, I felt like, oh, my gosh, are people going to want to work with me no more because I'm not on that station? And and I made it all about a company validating me. And I and I did not want to talk to anybody for like two months because I was so lost, confused in my own thoughts of anger, of sadness, of frustration, of why? Right. Why? Why? Why is this happening to me if all I've done is be a good talent and have amazing relationships with people? So, but I, I came to the conclusion that that's the way it had to be, right? Yeah. And that at the end of the day, I bring value to whatever I do. And those are the types of situations that really push you to realize that and they push change in your life and they push you to grow because that's 
what happened to me when I was in tech and that's when I met Audrey. Like that's when we started messing things up together. <laughs> <laughs> we became disruptors in yeah, each other's so lives and, and everyone else around and us. And everyone else's is when I got fired because the company I was at was not valuing me. They were making a lot of money off of what I did. And I was asking, I seriously asked for a raise like five times. And every time it was the same thing. And I was like, am I not worth this much money? Am I not worth, like, do they not see my value? And the answer was no. Yeah. I'm like, maybe I'm not good at my job. Maybe I'm not good enough. And it's like, no, I am good enough. They just suck. And here I am now. Yeah. You know, there was a point where you felt kind of like, I I didn't feel when I worked, when my first run with them and I, when I got let go, I didn't feel like I was going to get calls anymore from people because I didn't have that stamp on me of like, I, I'm no longer affiliated with this, this station. Right. And then I was able to recreate myself and say, you know what? F that. Like if people reach out to me, it's because they want the Roxy-ness. They want the Roxy-isms. They want the Roxy energy. So yes, I bring value to whatever I jump on board with. And But to have to retrain your mind like that and to have to really practice what you preach was I was living it to the max. You know, I was my whole life was was living that whole reinventing myself. You are worthy. I had to say those affirmations to myself like you are worthy of getting gigs without being associated to a station. I'm going to correct you there. You weren't reinventing yourself. You released all the things that were blocking you from your most authentic self showing up. Yes. And that is the difference. You didn't need to go reinvent yourself. You needed to let go of the external things that you thought validated you. And look at where your career has been. When you showed up for yourself, you opened all these doors. You've created these opportunities for you to show up, be unapologetic, and you help women do that every day and not limited to just one medium. Yes, I love yeah. that. That's what you know, and I love social media because of that. I've made amazing. I mean, I met Audrey through through Instagram, and and we met because of Amber Rose. I mean, you know, and so it's just like it's so everything is so connected and everything is so divinely put. You know, it's like if I sometimes I want to go back and I want to question my life and I want to say, oh my gosh, at this age, I I probably should have had two kids. According to what I don't know, my mother. <laughs> yeah, and and it's like you know what? The other day I was having a conversation with somebody, and this person was like, you know what? It's gonna happen at the perfect timing, on its own time, on its own timing, exactly the way you want it to happen. Hopefully, you know, yeah. if you keep making the right choices and decisions, and just let it go. You know, there's a saying that says, "Let go, let God," and that's really what I've learned how to practice a lot in my life. Is really if I didn't have faith, you guys. I, I don't know where I'd be, you know, and I don't care what your faith is. It could come from nature. It could come from but some God, type Buddha, of personal whatever. practice to keep yourself grounded, grounded and just knowing like everything is going to be OK, like Bob Marley and every little thing is going to be all right because it always is. You know, that's interesting. I posted this on Instagram yesterday um, for our audience listening. You're going to have to go back two weeks. Uh, <laughs> I go to daily mass and in the mornings. And I came out of mass and I had been feeling very overwhelmed and I was walking back and I was thinking about um, the homily. I was thinking about the Psalms that we read and I go, you know what? I am always only given exactly what I need. And if I think I need more and I don't have it, it's because I don't actually need that. It's not on my time yet. It'll come on its own time. And no matter what I'm going through, no matter how overwhelming it it feels, I truly always have exactly what I need in this moment, right? And you're right, having faith for that truly helps you get through the hard times. So let's talk more about keeping yourself grounded for our women who are out there and men. Keeping, it sounds like you have a deep personal practice, a deep spiritual practice. How do you keep yourself grounded when you're facing, you talked about affirmations. What other ways do you experience balance? You know what? I like to slow down which is not something that I started practicing until I I think until I turned 30 because it was always like on the go, on the go, on the go, crash and burn, crash and burn, uh, take Same. ginger shots, you know, oh because I try to keep everything natural and, and, you know, build my immune system back up until I was like, what? My mom, she really holds me accountable. She was like, what are you doing with yourself? Like you are going to age yourself and just really made me see without my health, I don't have anything. So I 
slow down. I give myself permission to slow down, even though it's hard and it's challenging for me. I think that's one of my biggest challenges is when I'm not doing something, I feel unproductive. And I think that is a a commonality that a lot of productive women or women that are used to being on the go, it's something that we all, you know, we feel that in common, but it's like sometimes doing nothing and gathering your thoughts on what your next move is going to be is really helping you become more productive because you're plotting and you're planning your execution. And, and I like to get my rest. I like to do yoga. I definitely like to stay active. I bought myself this year an, an elliptical machine for my house because I was like, I can't always get to the gym. So I got to bring the gym to myself. Yeah. And thank God my mom's comadre was selling an elliptical. She had only used it twice. She sold it to me for a good price. And I was like, sold. So, <laughs> you know, I like to move the energy in my body. I feel like when I'm moving physically, whether it's jump roping, whether it's stretching, a lot of people don't stretch. And I've learned that in yoga so many times, like the more flexible you are, the more you're allowing the juices to flow up and down your spine. Like I do Kundalini yoga. Kundalini oh, I love Kundalini yoga. Is the yoga of awareness. So I, yeah. I, I teach, love the mantra. I love the mantra. So I do big Kundalini yoga classes with my nonprofit organization every year. Okay. I want to come to that. First yeah. of all, I have a turban. Second, do you? Yes, I do. And yes. I wear a veil to mass. Really? I'm, I'm all about it. I keep it and I hold my intentions here in that energy. Um, two Damn, things that's that, amazing. Two things I want to touch on real fast. When you talked about the yoga and stretching, you are actually physically creating more space for experience in your body creating it for air and for things to expand, not just metaphysically, but ideas um, and blood flow. You actually move that. And second of all, physiologically, you're releasing endorphins. You are releasing hormones. You are changing the hormonal makeup of what's going on in your body to create experiences that support that, which is so powerful. And I think for all of us, and I know I'm guilty of this, my biggest excuse is I don't have time but as a company, and Yvette and I practice this, we don't work on Wednesdays. Wednesdays are our personal day. Is it Worthy Women Wednesday? Yes, yeah. it is. In worthy fact, women Wednesday. the only Wednesdays we ever work are when we have a Worthy Women event, and it's only once a month. And I started taking personal Wednesdays, and then I realized, wait, if my team's not taking personal Wednesdays, then that means they're going to be emailing me about stuff. Those are the days that Yvette illustrates. She does all the artwork for Brown. Brown Girls Rising. And how has that changed? I mean, that's been transitional for you at work. It's been so great. Just it's that's kind of like my release. That's the day that I I go to cycling and it's the day that I work on my art. And I just spend all day like getting lost in it and kind of just refocusing myself. And then on Thursday, I feel like I've been rejuvenated and I moved a little bit. I exercise and like you just feel better when you take that time to yourself. That's like my spiritual practice is is my art. And two things about the Wednesdays. One, no matter how our week got started, if we have our Wednesday off, we can always finish it better. Mm-hmm. And two, and I say this from, you know, being us being on the same team together and the work that we produce, when we started taking personal Wednesdays as a team, Yvette, her, the work that she was doing dramatically scaled in a different way. It was like she came back on Thursdays a different person and her creative energy and the way that she approached problems and challenges so many more solutions than before where it was a narrow stretch. Yeah, I love uh-huh. it. Good job. <laughs> we're learning young. You know, a lot of our, we're definitely, um, I want to say all three of us are cycle breakers because when our moms were not living their life like this back in the 70s or whenever your moms were born. So I, I take a lot of pride in that where, where with Amigas for My Soul, through my example of living my perfectly imperfect life because when people try to come at me with this admiration I'm flattered but I am like I'm not perfect but I do strive to be a better me every single day like what can I do to be better what can I do to be fit what can I do to take care of my bot my temple you know and that's why I have my YouTube channel and one of my passions is cooking I love to cook and people it's so funny people find it shocking that I take the time to cook but when something is you make it look so easy yeah, I made a caldo so from fun. your Instagram stories the other did day. You? I yes, mean, I did you? I it's to me, I literally, I guess it's the artistic side of me. I go into the kitchen with a vision of what I want to create and I will just create it. And I pull out these certain spices that I think I'm going to need. Sometimes I'll go on Pinterest, but for the most part, I'm like, 
this is my creation. This is my flavor. And my biggest satisfaction is when I eat it and it's good, but or when my guests eat it and they're like, oh my gosh, what is this? And guess what? I get women that write to me and they're like, I'm following your YouTube and I've lost 45 pounds Aww. eating your recipes. And I'm like, I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I love it. But other people get to implement it. And there's something know. to be said too about envisioning things. Yes. Like when you yeah. visualize something, that's how I do like my, my best illustrations, my best art is always when I I can see it in my head ahead of time and then I put it on the paper as opposed to when I'm just like, uh, I'm just going to draw something and it doesn't turn out the way that I wanted it. Like the best ones, the ones that have resonated with people the most are the ones that like I envisioned in my head and I thought of for like a full day and then I just did it. Yeah. You know, I think those when you envision something and it seems scary and impossible, you're on the right track because abundance is real, you guys. And, and I think a lot of times our visions may scare us of what we know we deserve or what we know we're worthy of. And it scares us so much that we're like, oh, no, no, maybe not, maybe not. And then we go back to thinking small and then that's what we manifest in our life. So don't ever be afraid of anyone telling you like you're thinking too big. Like, oh, that 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 vision is like out of reach. There's no way. Your external environment is a reflection of your internal condition. Yep. If you feel like you can play big for it, it will show up for you in your life. And if you're going to talk yourself out of it and think and play small, it will show up small for you, guaranteed. So Roxy, you already mentioned your YouTube channel, but where else can people find you? So I'm, uh, you know what, if you want to get all my my channels to my social media, it's on my website, Roxy, R-A-Q-C, online.com. On the top corner is where you'll find all of my social media. Um, under Roxy's World on Instagram. And that's actually one of my favorite apps right now, Instagram and Snapchat. I'm obsessed with Instagram. Yeah. And as you know, Snapchat to me, I feel that that people really get to see my authentic me, you know, and I mean, every on all channel, but I just feel like when I talk into the video, it's literally on the moment because that's what Snapchat is. And I, I intentionally try to live every day and every moment here in the moment where like I'm actually putting my phone away into the side i observed that behavior in myself the other day when i had dinner with a friend he was like you haven't picked up your phone all evening and you i was a like choice to experience that I, I was like yeah i have it so get off yours <laughs> exactly roxy well it's been a pleasure having you this has been brown girls rising bye This episode of Brown Girls Rising was brought to you by Nylon Español and recorded at Maker City LA in sunny downtown Los Angeles. We hope it's inspired you. For more, visit browngirlsrising.com. Follow us socially on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Worthy Women LLC and Brown Girls Rising for future episodes. Until next time.